think about some of the skills that you have innately as a person, you have to sort of lead with your strengths. We all have different backgrounds. We all come from different corporate experiences, like even things I did in high school, you know, like my first job was selling popcorn. You know what I mean? I mean, like that was like customer service 101. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. It really hasn't been that many years since I was running my company all by myself as a solopreneur. But back when I was doing all the things and wearing all the hats myself, I was never that good at getting the day-to-day operations of my business consistently taken care of. I would always fall somewhere between being super excited for some new project or new idea that I was working on and being really motivated to work on that, but letting all of the boring day-to-day operations fall by the wayside. And on the other hand, sometimes not being that excited about things and not feeling that motivated and not doing much of anything at all. But either side of this spectrum that I fell on, the day-to-day operations were just not getting taken care of nearly as well as I wanted them to be, despite my best intentions. It was just something that really didn't come naturally to me. After dealing with that situation for the first couple of years of running my business, I read a book called Rocket Fuel that explains that there are two different kinds of entrepreneurial leaders. There are the visionary leaders that have the ideas and charge forward with the vision of the business. And then there are this second kind of leader that are called integrators. And integrators are the leaders who hold everything together. They're the leaders who make sure that all the boxes are being checked and all the systems are being being run so that the company is able to charge forward to meet those goals that the visionary leader is leading them forward to do. So as soon as I read this book, I immediately recognized which kind of leader I was and why I was having such a hard time getting those day-to-day operations done. And so I knew that I needed to find someone to partner with me in my business and really help take care of the operations side of things. I had no idea if I was going to be able to find a person, but honestly, I think I got a little bit lucky here and I managed to find the perfect person. So today I have Courtney Leverage in my business who does an amazing job running those day-to-day operations and also just managing all the projects and managing the team. And really she's enabled us to do so much. So today on the podcast, I'm really excited for the guest that I'm bringing to you because it's Sarah Noked, who is an OBM trainer. Now, if you don't know what an OBM is, that stands for Online Business Manager. And it's kind of a subset of this integrator type of leader is a specific type of integrator who's been trained in a specific way and they manage the operations of online businesses and they do so remotely. And that's actually the exact type of integrator that I hired. I hired an OBM. So anyway, Sarah Noked is on the podcast today. She's been working as an OBM herself for quite a few years. She has run an OBM agency for quite a few years at this point. And today she specializes in training people to become OBMs. So in this interview, you're going to hear me talk to Sarah about 
exactly what an OBM is, what they do, how they can help a business, how you can become an OBM if maybe it's a job that is interesting to you and you think might be a good fit for you, the job outlook, the average pay rate of an OBM, all the information about what an OBM is, what it does, and how you might fit into the OBM picture, either as an OBM yourself or hiring an OBM for your company. So with that being said, here's Sarah Noked. Hey there, Sarah. It is so good to have you here. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic with you today and talk about, like I said, all things OPM. So to start out, could you tell us just a little bit about exactly what an OBM is? Well, OBMs are superheroes, in all honesty. So typically, an online business manager will work with small business owners. So it's really important here to mention, especially for those listeners who are looking to hire an OBM, OBMs typically work with small business owners. And what we do is we manage the day-to-day activities in the business. So small business meaning, you know, about low six figures to about the million dollar mark, a little bit over the million dollar mark. Um, So a little bit over seven figures is also a nice sweet spot for us as online business managers. And what we do is we come in, you know, guns a blazing and we basically put order to the chaos, whether it be project management, team management, hiring, firing, um, operations management, all of that really good stuff that goes that we all know goes into whether you have an online, primarily online based business or a brick and mortar offline based business, online business managers can be those people who come in to really make sure that the right things get done by the right people in the business. And also another thing that I will add here is typically um, there are three distinct qualities that come into play when a business is ready to hire an OBM. And the first is proven business models, consistent revenue, which I think comes hand in hand with the consistent, you know, with that business model is about getting, you know, actually, you know, making consistent revenue and And probably one of the most important pieces is that the entrepreneur needs to have a mindset for delegation. So I can't tell you how many um, businesses I've worked with over the years, especially in our own agency, that are very successful despite themselves. And I, and I say that with all the love in my heart, because you're like, you're, you're making like $70,000 a month, you have no standard operating procedures, you have no idea what your virtual assistant is doing, but you're making good money. So those clients sometimes really struggle still with this delegation mindset, which is that they're actually handing the reins to somebody else to now be in control and be in charge of that business. So so in short, an OBM comes in and manages the operations of the business, the day-to-day operations. Um, so, and you kind of touched on something there at the end that I wanted to kind of, I don't know, get your, get your take on or maybe kind of fill the audience in. You know, when I first heard about an OBM, I remember I'd never heard of the career before. I'd never heard that, you know, maybe I wanted to hire one until when I was, you know, I was in the baby stages of my business and someone who I was following, a mentor of mine, who I really looked up to, um, mentioned that they had an online business manager. And I thought that this concept was really strange. I was like, you're not managing your own business. Like you're letting someone else run your business how are you, how are you being a leader then? You know, like who's driving this ship here? Uh, So kind of, can you explain how that works and why someone might want someone else to manage their, you know, their baby? 
That's a really great question, Gillian. And I actually, I've never even really been asked this before. But so typically, I think the, the important thing here to look at is an entrepreneur is ready to be out of the day-to-day in their business when they recognize that their time is better spent doing the things that only they can do in their business. So let's say that you have a business, um, you are a coach, and um, you know, you're know you managing the day-to-day operations, you're managing your team, you're making sure that you're, you know your email broadcast and your marketing is happening. So you're very in the weeds, in the grass of your business. And when you are in the weeds for too long, you start to lose tr- lose sight of this big picture idea, which might be your vision. It might be, um, you know, all the things that you can, that you can sort of dream and think about, but you can't really do that when you're in the grass. You can't be in the big picture and in the weeds at the same time. It, it's very difficult. Well, the way that I've also experienced it in my own business is sort of putting on the CEO hat in a lot of ways. So like the CEO isn't managing the operations in the business. The CEO is focused on their goals and achieving their goals and, you know, likely doing the things that only the CEO can do. And in the case of the coaching business, it might be that, you know, the coach is doing her, her own sales call still or she might be doing Facebook Lives or, you know, um, leading a a group coaching program and delivering the content. Those are things that only the business owner can do. So it really is about um, relinquishing some of the control around, I personally think, some of the day-to-day activities in the business, which really aren't closest to the revenue generating stuff. So Typically, when entrepreneurs realize that, wow, I don't need to be the one or or like how you said, Gillian, like about being the leader, you know, oh, you know, this leadership for me as the CEO is like stepping up into this new kind of leadership place of leading the team and, you know, maybe doing other things. But it's not about it's not leadership doesn't necessarily have to be in like managing the launch, you know, or mm-hmm. Doing, and just doing too many things. And it's, I see it the same as when a virtual assistant tries to be a virtual assistant and an OBM. Then things start to happen. Like the email gets sent out with the wrong first name field because there was nobody like quality assuring that email, right? The OBM, you know, you can't quality assure yourself. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. I've done it before. It's not what I recommend. So same kind of concept. Do you think that it would be an accurate analogy to describe this kind of like the relationship of like, if you're a parent and you have your kids and you're trying to kind of like be the leader in your family. And so maybe you hire a housekeeper to manage the day to day of your household. Not that most of us do this, but you know, in, in a, maybe an ideal situation where someone else could come in and you know make sure the dishes are getting run every day and make sure you're staying up on your laundry so that you can, I don't know, homeschool your kids or you can take your family on adventure or something. Is it kind of like that? It is 100% like that. You know, you don't need to be scheduling your own email broadcast. We can bring on a virtual assistant or somebody else on the team that can schedule that email broadcast. I find that with our clients, a lot of the times they are doing things, the day, some of the day-to-day activities in their business because they're procrastinating, you know, doing do, like putting off the harder thing, the more intimidating thing. Okay. So what I'm wondering here is how you got into all of this. How did you decide oh. to become an OBM and then eventually make this transition into teaching other people how to be OBMs? So I, um, 
I have always been an entrepreneur. I actually had a landscaping company when I lived in Toronto with my then boyfriend, now husband. And when we made the journey across the globe, that transatlantic journey from Canada to Israel to live here, um, I started to, you know, do what everyone else does. I started to work my corporate job and I was miserable. I just knew that I would never be able to have a family with the kind of uh, work I was, you know, I was working like long hours. I had to travel to Germany on the weekends all the time. So I was working a lot and I just knew that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be conducive to the kind of lifestyle I wanted. So I started to side hustle from my corporate job as a virtual assistant. But because of my personality, and I think it's important to stress this here, you know, there are, there are key things about me that make me great OBM material. When I see a mess, I was, I'm like, I just want to sink my teeth into it and clean it up, you know. Uh, when when a friend tells me that they're having a problem in their life, like I'm immediately like planning the next steps. Like that sort of stuff really lights me up. I love documenting standard operating procedures. I always have been like that. I think that for many years I didn't realize that that was like a unique characteristic or that not everybody was like that. But when I started working as a virtual assistant, I was like, this woman has a fantastic business. If she only documented some stuff, we could bring on a virtual assistant, we could streamline that group coaching program. Wow, this would be amazing. You know, so it was sort of like this natural, I think just based on my natural ability that I, even though was positioning myself as a virtual assistant for a couple of years, I was always the OBM in disguise. I was always going above and beyond to hire the right team members or standardize something or, you know, do research around specific types of technology I thought would work better. And also just speaking my mind, like I'm not an opinionated person, but I will tell you how it is. You know, I will, you know, be your mirror and and reflect it right back at you. And I'm great sounding board. So I just, I just really by default had these great OBM qualities. And because I got into the field, almost a decade ago, um, and I scaled a massively wildly successful agency, I just was like, I don't have more capacity for clients. You know, I'm a mom of three. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't need to be serving everybody from clients from the US to Australia. So, you know, in, in training my own team of online business managers, it just sort of naturally became the next step for me. And I went on to start training online business managers. And that's sort of like where I am right now. And what I really love doing, I love working with service, online service professionals who are really stepping up their game because it's fun. So let's dive into who should be an OBM versus who needs to hire an OBM. How can someone tell, you know, which side of this the equation they're on? Typically, when you are getting to a point in your business revenue wise, so typically it's the low six figures. So I'd say like 200,000 to 300,000 is when you need to start looking at bringing on an online business manager into your business. So in my own business, obviously, like I have an OBM on my own team, you know, I'm, I'm still an OBM, but you know, I also have Tovi who's my OBM right now, you know, and she's doing a fantastic job. Um, I think a lot of online entrepreneurs, especially wear the OBM hat in their business. And that's great. You know, I, some of my favorite OBM clients are fantastic OBMs themselves and actually say that, you know, if my coaching business or my whatever doesn't pan out, I'm definitely going to start to become an OBM. And it's actually, we chuckle about it. It's happened a number of times. So um, I just think that if you want to eventually scale a business that's not 
fully dependent on you. Like for me as a mom, I want to be able to go on vacation and not worry about, you know, if somebody checking on the client care team or is somebody like working in my best interest. Because the other thing that I should stress about um, OBMs is we're more like partners for clients. And also we really are the keepers of the vision and the goals. And I think that's also the bigger differentiating factor between OBMs and VAs. Like a virtual assistant doesn't necessarily need to know you know, the goals and the vision of the business to do their job properly. Whereas an OBM, in order to lead and guide the team, we have to really understand and embrace and fully love that client's vision. Awesome. Is there a certain personality type that is really suited for being Mm -hmm. an OBM? So I don't think it's necessarily a certain personality. I think it's actually a certain situation, you know, where you you want to work from home, you want the flexibility, you know, you you really maybe entrepreneurship wasn't even something like I find a lot of the people in our community are like, I never even imagined myself as an entrepreneur. But I'm in this situation where I need to have flexibility, I have little kids, or I'm homeschooling or whatever, and I want to have a job. But yet I've got all of these transferable corporate skills, like I, you know, executive assistants and teachers and all of these people who have these amazing backgrounds that are just so suited for OBM, because you have to be organized, you have to be able to communicate well with people and you have to be responsible and accountable. The episode you're currently listening to was originally offered as a live stream inside Startup Society, our training program for digital entrepreneurs. Each week in the program, Gillian teaches a live workshop for startup members, including a teaching segment like what you're listening to right now, a tutorial segment that demonstrates how to take action on the lesson, and an open Q&A period where Gillian and guest experts work directly with each member. Members also get access to Startup Society's library of business training courses, monthly co-working sessions, and other events, and our private community forum. If you're looking for affordable business training, mentorship, and accountability, then visit startupsociety.com forward slash podcast to learn more about the program and apply to join. Now here's Gillian with the rest of today's episode. So for those people who are thinking, hmm, this sounds like something that maybe I could be good at, maybe a good opportunity for me, can you tell them a little bit about the job outlook for OBMs in today's market and maybe touch on like the average income that an OBM earns? Yeah, I think that um, the the industry is really booming right now and it has been since COVID started. But even before COVID, like I, I've said, you know, for the last, I would say, five years, um, it's been pretty pretty intense uh, with regard to the demand, right? There's a lot of online businesses, but there's also a lot of offline business that recognize that there is an advantage to hiring a contractor who's not in my office, who works from home. It's actually really cost effective and wow, they're so responsible and they care so much. So I think that you have to really just think about some of the skills that you have innately as a person. It's like you have to sort of lead with your strengths. You know, we all have different backgrounds. We all come from, you know, different corporate experiences, like even things I did in high school, you know, like, I don't know, my first job was selling popcorn. You know what I mean? I mean, like that was like customer service 101, you know, so I will get into a situation where an executive assistant will be like, well, am I OBM material? I've, you know, managed like budgets on events of like $3 million and teams of 20. And I've been the right hand to the CEO. And I'm like, yes, you know. But does someone have to have all those qualifications? Definitely not. So I think you really have to, you really have to have 
um, a love for technology. I will be really, I think this is one of the things that's very intimidating for people, but you have to be open-minded to technology. It's not going anywhere and it's changing rapidly all the time. So I think like knowing that you're never going to be fully on top of the tech is okay. And you know, with regard to the forecast of the OBM community, I mean, OBMs are very much in demand. Um, but I think that there's a certain there is a certain growth cycle that has to happen with you as a person where you work with, we call them the stepping stone client. So there's this sort of, um, there's this in-between client that I really recommend um, beginner OBMs work with. So it could be a solo entrepreneur who maybe just hit their first six-figure year or whatever. And they're like, I see potential in my business. I'm growing. I'm growing fast. This is amazing. That's like the perfect first client for somebody who wants to, you know, have their OBM sea legs um, because it's less intimidating. There's not a whole team to manage. You know, you can you can make big strides with that client just by, you know, putting in a few standard operating procedures, streamlining some of the tech, maybe hiring on a VA. That's huge experience and that's hugely rewarding for the OBM and hugely beneficial for the client. So there's there's a certain type of client that you want to work with depending on the stage that you're at in your own OBM journey. Because like, honestly, I call them the, there's like the seven figure big wigs, you know? I mean, that's a scary client to, to deal with. I did not work with a client like that until I was a good four or five years into my OBM journey. And could you give any perspective on what that average income is or like an entry yeah. level income that an OBM yeah. earns? So typically an OBM will earn between three to 5,000 US in a month. Um, in their first one, in their first year of business. And then after that, it usually is between five to 10,000 a month in revenue. Um, usually 10,000 10, being like a full roster of OBM clients. So typically, I always recommend my students work with three to four clients um, to, or five clients at most in the OBM capacity because it's a lot. it's a lot of, you know, strategy and goals and vision to hold. And this is Another reason why it's it's just you really have to be choosy of your clients. So if you have a good five clients and you are you know charging between one to two k a month in retainer, then you know you're meeting that ten k mark. And then when you start to get into the agency realm of you know scaling and having other OBMs that are maybe giving the one on one services like we did, then you know it wasn't unnatural for us to have a six figure month. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot in between there, you know, but, yeah. and obviously it's like a 10 year long, you know, career and also five full-time employees. So the other thing that when I was scaling my agency was I was like, at one point I looked at our profitability and I was like, I was making the same amount of money as a solo OBM. You know, I was making my 15,000 a month as a solo OBM mm -hmm. and now I'm making that much in my agency, but yes, I'm not dealing necessarily dealing directly with the client but I have all of these other team members and all of this other stuff to deal with. So it's definitely not for the faint of heart, I will say. Mm -hmm. Whenever I've had any sort of agency type business where I had service providers under me, that's always ended up being my reality too, that I didn't actually scale my income all that much. I just kind of maintained whatever my highest level of income was, but it shifted my role of responsibility. And so the question was really, you know, which type of work did I prefer doing? Right. And as an entrepreneur, I preferred being the leader and kind of driving that vision forward. But it's Absolutely. definitely something to consider. Um, I also wanted to touch on. Um, so you're talking about like the number of clients and how much you would charge each of them. And so if you had clients that had a lot more going on, like bigger businesses with more revenue and bigger teams, then you work with 
fewer of them, but charge more versus yeah. if you have smaller clients, then you could work with more clients, but you charge each one less. Um, mm -hmm. And so it ends up maybe not being a wash, but it means that you have options. You can work with more clients that have less going on, or you can work with just one client who has a lot going on. Um, and, you know, kind of, you can figure out what works the best, I think, for your personality and what you, you know, your working style. Yeah, it's a good point, Gillian. I, I think for me as a mom, I always preferred to have smaller clients, bite-sized clients that didn't demand my blood, sweat, and tears. But I always had one big juicy retainer client because I just loved being like really deep inside one person's business. And then eventually that became my own business. It's like you get to choose and it can evolve over time. You know, when I had one child or when I had no children, my business looked very different from now when I have three kids, you know, and my priorities have very shifted my why why I'm doing what I'm doing has changed significantly. So that's also the beauty of this is you get to, you know, kick it up or take it down a notch depending on how you feel and where you're at in your journey. If someone is interested in becoming an OBM, what do they need to do to become one? Well, I think if somebody is interested in becoming an OBM, they need to go for it. They need to go for it. They need to start to um, get the pieces in place to have a successful, you know, um, professional service support professional business in the online space. So you need the website, you need, you know, you need the systems as an OBM. If you're, if you're coming at it from the, from the angle of, I want to manage your online business, you need to have it together. You need to have mm -hmm. your website together. You need to have your social media together. You need to be present. You need to have your, your, your discovery call down pat. So there's definitely um, a learning curve that happens there. And that's why a lot of people start off as virtual assistants because it's easier to kind of start off in the virtual assistant space. But the sort of the issue that happens then is that now you've got a full roster of virtual assistant clients. And usually that's like 10 or 15, like if we're being honest. So you have no time for anything. And then what happens is all your word of mouth referral clients are looking for VA and not OBM work. And you never really reach past that point of income that you want and you also don't work in the capacity that you want with clients because you're always just doing and implementing and it's less about, you know, strategy and ops management and systems and all that fun stuff. So I think it's just about surrounding yourself with the right people and investing in your own business development and putting that right foot forward, but then also looking at, well, what are what do I have to give, you know, as a person? I'm organized. I'm great at, you know, I'm project management tools. We had mentioned a little bit about technology. I think it's about being open-minded like like, you know, this best, there's a YouTube tutorial for everything, guys, you know, <laughs> don't worry about your clients using this rad new customer relationship management tool. It's all good. There's like a YouTube tutorial for that, you know, so it's about being resourceful. I think that that for sure is like the number one quality, you know, you have mm -hmm. to have confidence that you can figure it out. So is there a training someone can go through to learn how to become an OBM or how does someone learn the basic, not, not those specific skills you're talking about, you know, like the new software, but right. how does someone learn the, the project management skills, the business management skills that they need? Right. Well, they can come into our community and they can find me. We've got different programs happening right now. We have our accelerator, OBM accelerator, which helps to set up the foundational business stuff and the foundational skills as online business managers. And that's like a great place for a starter OBM to, whether you're coming straight out of corporate, whether you're transitioning from VA to OBM or you're already an OBM and you just 
legit because there's this other kind of pool of people who've like successful OBMs, but they don't have a website or or a client funnel or anything. So we, I'm my 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 corporate background is business development, and it's something that I really love. So I'm very much focused on business development, and then you know the skills and the and the, and the stuff comes with, and the confidence comes as you do right, and as you really learn someone's business. I think if there's one piece of advice I could give, you know, starting to work with an online business management client is like going back to corporate. It's like there's this like three to six month learning curve where you are legit learning someone else's business. So it is not like I'm in this person's business and I'm managing things all at once. There's like a flow that you need to take the client on for yourself as the OBM to like fully understand the business and understand the goals and the vision, but to also, you know, be there to be taking things off the client's plate. Because that's the thing I will say to people who are looking to hire an OBM, like you have to put some time aside yourself to be nurturing that relationship with that OBM because they're going to have a lot of questions you might have to do things that are outside of your comfort zone and um, and in order to propel and continue scaling your business. Do aspiring OBMs need to get certified? Why or why not? I don't think that OBMs necessarily need to get certified. I think certification is, um, is a great uh, marketing positioning tool because um, clients who are looking for an OBM know that you have had training and know that you are, you know, um, that you have a certain level of training that you have passed a particular exam and all that stuff. So I do think it is good from a marketing position sense. But that being said, I also feel like a lot of a lot of us, especially these days, people who a lot of these women who are coming out of these corporate jobs as project managers and all of these really transferable skills, it's not as if you can't do the work or you need to necessarily be certified in order to get clients. I think it's more of a marketing positioning thing that 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 does serve well, for sure. Thanks for sharing your honest take on that. Yeah. Okay, so now what I'm thinking about is I want to approach this from both sides of both the person who maybe is the OBM and wants to get hired, but also maybe the company who's thinking to hire an OBM. How does that process typically work, both in terms of how does a company normally find an OBM? What sort of qualities might they be looking for? And you know, how does that hiring process actually happen? Yeah. I mean, this is something that I think is is definitely a, an issue in our industry because I don't necessarily think that there's a great way to find OBMs in the online space. So we, you know, there's the certified OBM directory, which is a great place to start if you're looking for an OBM. There are um, definitely, I mean, as online entrepreneurs, we're part of a lot of different communities. I mean, you could ask a friend for a referral for an OBM. So that's always a great way to find somebody. But you're really looking for um, qualities like attention to detail. Are they invested in your um, business? Are they are they aware of, you know, have they done their due diligence before this discovery call? And typically you will hop on for a discovery call with that online business manager to get a feel for what they have to offer you and all that good stuff. So there's definitely like the skills are, you know, you, you want to be looking for someone who has a high attention to detail. And also like there has to be like a good click between the OBM and the client. And you, you sort of just know, you, you know, and then a lot of like the great thing is that a lot of people come with, you know, corporate experience or, you know, experiencing working with different 
you know, maybe they've managed to launch. Maybe they haven't managed to launch. Maybe it doesn't even matter to you in your business because you don't launch. Maybe you just want somebody who's going to manage the operations and the team and do your weekly meetings. So I think it's important for an entrepreneur to really literally write out all of their business activities that they do weekly, monthly, um, daily, so that we can get a feel for like, well, what are the recurring tasks in your business? What can be, you know, like, like, again, like taken off your plate, because I think as entrepreneurs, we, we like love, you know, being overwhelmed, although I know your community and all you speak is the opposite. But I, I really do think that people need to relinquish the control around these things and, and be clear around what they can and what they want and need to be delegating. And for um, for a client to what they can expect working with an OBM is that typically, you know, at least the OBMs that I train, I really encourage my students to start off with a strategy call with clients and we teach them the whole process and why this is beneficial because it's not like you're coming at it where you're like, okay, I'm great at email broadcasting management or I'm a, you know, or I'm great at uh, graphic design or website. You know, usually an OBM is coming at it more of like a holistic, okay, so you know, what, where, where's the business bleeding money? You know, what needs to happen here? Like, so we're coming at it more from the angle of, you know, sort of auditing, auditing what's happening. And that's what that strategy call is all about. And then we create a 90 day plan, which kind of is the first, you know, three months of working with that client about what we're going to be doing, like the actionable deliverables of what's going to happen each month. And it's depending on, you know, their unique business, what their team is like, what their goals are like, and all that good stuff. So that's typically what starting with an OBM looks like. It's a strategy call followed by a plan because we're all about planning all the time till the cows come home. This has been great, Sarah. Thank you so much for explaining so much about what an OBM does and, you know, how someone might be, you know, start becoming one if that's something that they're interested in doing. Really great. Um, I think that right now there's probably a few people who are maybe kind of on the fence. It may be, maybe this isn't the first time they've been introduced to the idea of being an online business manager. It's something they've thought about before, or maybe this is their first time ever hearing of it. But they're thinking, maybe this sounds like a good opportunity for me, but they're not quite sure. What would you recommend they do in that situation? Well, they can head on over and download our starter kit. We've got an OBM starter kit over at serenoked.com forward slash starter. And that's going to give them more insight around the OBM role, a day in the life of an OBM. I think that, again, like I had mentioned, the sort of types of clients that we work with, like not everybody, whereas I will wholeheartedly say every business needs at least one VA, not every business needs an OBM. So they can get started there. And then the other piece is like, if you're looking to hire an OBM and you're, what do I do first? Or how do I, a lot of the commonly common question I get is like, what do I need to prepare in my business to bring on an OBM? And like start to get clear around the activities that you're doing daily in your business, weekly, monthly, and then start to get some sort of framework around standard operating procedures in place. Because SOPs, standard operating procedures, is what really in, empowers people to be good delegators and makes for really scalable, beautiful, peace of mind, calm businesses and not just chaos all the time. Great. I love that you offer that starter starter kit. Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah. What's the URL for that again? It's serenoked.com forward slash starter. And if you okay. are uh, looking for, if you are a client that's wanting to kind of set your business up for an OBM, we also have serenoked.com forward slash SOP. And that okay. is all of my standard operating procedure templates, which is also 
really great. And again, this kind of goes back, Gillian, to what you were talking about, that client who like loves to be their own OBM. Like it's great mm-hmm. if you love setting up systems. I'm I'm definitely can be accused of that. But at some point you really have to recognize that maybe you're not great at doing everything. Just saying. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been amazing. It's just thanks for your time and thank you for everything that you've taught yeah. today. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit startupsociety.com slash podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action. We'll be right back.